I have to go. La, 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 la. I have to stretch so I don't pull a hammy. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> I already, I already started recording. Maybe I should just leave this in. There you go. Uh, Hamstring injuries yeah. are common in podcasting. <laughs> you know, you get all tense. Okay, here we go. Hey, my friends, welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast. How the heck are you guys? I have an extra dose of energy today. I'm not sure if it's because I've been like exercising or I took this energy drink thing called Prove It earlier and it's got me really wound up. Massive amounts of B12 in that thing. Uh, or maybe it's because I'm talking to one of my best friends, Kurt Kempton. He's world-renowned in the home service industry space. Super great guy, great family guy, really smart business mind. He was a mentor to me when I started Send Gym in a big way because I had no idea what I was doing. He also built and sold his own uh, cleaning company several years ago. And I'm just happy to talk to you, Kurt. You're going to bring some value nuggets for us. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks. I'm so excited to be with you. Well, uh, you just got back from a interesting trip you don't travel a huge amount normally, right? But you just went all over the country. Tell us about that. Yeah, we, we did the Responsa tour, which for those people, who, <laughs> that sounds really dumb for people who don't know what Responsa bit is. But I have a product called Responsa bit, so I went on the Responsa tour, connecting with all of our, well, as many clients as I could physically visit in a week's time. So I left on Monday morning of last week, and I got home at like one in the morning on Sunday, the following Sunday. Mm-hmm. And having a bunch of kids, I know traveling can be, it's hard. It's hard in the family. But the reason you did it and what I wanted to talk to you about on the podcast today was like just the idea of social proof and like the fact that you spent thousands of dollars to fly all over the country so you could talk to real customers and capture like their experience of your product on video and why that's a really good idea. And I don't know, like we can take the conversation wherever you want, but a couple, like a couple weeks ago, I had Troy Howard on my podcast who, you know, cause he lives in Arizona. He, like literally I see him like once a week. <laughs> He's awesome. And he was so passionate about, he has a, a video review software that like automates video reviews for, for like local companies. It's really powerful. And it just really got me thinking. And I keep bringing this up, like the power of video testimonials for us. When send Jim launched the super course uh, early this year, when we launched it, I had almost 60 video testimonials ready to go at launch because I understand like the power of seeing like your peers talk about, and, but you know, this isn't about us like pitching our software, but the point I'm trying to make is social proof and video testimonials are a really big deal. Most people don't have them. And so I think the people listening, if they get the kahunas or get a strategy to go talk to their customers and get it on ca- camera, it's like a secret weapon kind of, right? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I learned so much preparing, and then I learned like quadruple that amount actually out doing it. So I'll just I'll just say the first thing that that got me going on this was I was on the building a story brand kick. I you know I visualize our company as the guide, the people we service as the heroes, and they're you know bidding chaos around them as the villain, right? So. I've been really focused on that already. And then I met Marcus Sheridan, who I don't know if you've heard of them or the listeners, but he wrote a book called um, They Ask You Answer. And it's really just about being the most expert on answering the questions that everyone's trying to Google and figure out the answers to about, you know, no one knows anything, everything's not perfect. So when they're Googling, for example, getting pressure washing done, they're not just Googling like, who's a local pressure washer? They're Googling things like, how much does it cost to get pressure washing done? What 
kinds of things should I avoid when getting pressure washing done or what should I be nervous of or, you know, this whole thing. And his whole strategy is make videos about everything and put those things out there and easy to find. So one of the video types that he came up with is called the before and after video, which for a service company is pretty straightforward. Like you just talk to the customer about what the problem was that they had. Then you talk to them about what it was like to have the service done. And then you talk to them about what their life is like now that the service is complete. You, and and that, you know, it's powerful because many marriages have been saved because of a house wash. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the woman has been telling the husband, wash our siding. What is wrong with you? Like fix the fence, whatever it is if you're a contractor. Like sometimes we we downplay what we do and it yeah. really is big deal in a small way and it's okay right. to capture it on video because the person doing the searching that's it has like really on that line of thought and they're like need to solve the problem and they watch that thing it's just, it's like hand meet glove right <laughs> yep well that was that was the thing when marcus was talking about this whole thing of course i was looking at it as a software developer but all of my customers are service people, you know, companies, all different types. And it occurred to me, they're used to doing taking before and after pictures. And I think that, that while they could do a better job of getting that whole during, like helping set expectations of what to expect while it's happening. And it becomes more shareable on social media and all that. Um, part of me was like, Oh, probably people probably don't want to do that. They wouldn't want to help me with this. And so I was excited about the concept, but I was also like, Kind of like daunted, like ugh. Like you feel bad for asking, and yeah, yeah. Like I already, I already know they're really busy. You know, they're running the company. It's seasonal. They're in the middle of their season, or they're stressed out because they're out of season. Like, like uh Like I started putting it all on me, and I told my social media team. I said, "Let's just put it out there. Let's do us." You know, I'm talking about Facebook posts. I said, "I want you to put a post out that just says." Who would be interested? I was hoping maybe one or two people would reply and say, who would be interested in having Kurt come by and interview you for a couple hours about your experience of responsive And lo and behold, I couldn't believe it. Like, like 15, like in less than five hours, there were like 15 people saying, yes, please. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. People, so. including us, like to talk about products and services that we find beneficial. We like it. It's like an addiction. Like we want, I know I always use the iPhone example. Uh, when iPhone first came out, um, when people got one, they couldn't not tell their friends about it. They couldn't not show it to people. Like they just kind of casually sit on the table at dinner and be like, and they're like, Oh my God, is that an iPhone? They're like, Oh that. Yeah, actually that's so weird. <laughs> yeah. I got that this afternoon. Right. No, but there's some, <laughs> <laughs> There's something in our brain that likes to be the advocate for something we believe in. Uh, Responsive Bid is an incredible software. It's been around a long time, actually, for everybody listening. Um, I used it. I sold my business over three years ago, and I used it for several years before that, and it was amazing. I remember sitting in bed, and basically what it does, just so, so there's context for if listeners don't know, response the letter I, bid, response a bid, you can Google it. But what it does is it lets people, when they go to your website, create their own pricing and then it upsells them on packages and it, and it even can book the job. It does all this stuff. So I'd be like laying in bed and I'd get like a, a ding on my phone and it'd say, you just scheduled a $600 house wash with blah, 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 blah. And it's crazy. So it, it's, it's amazing. But 
when you have something like that, you want to share it. You want to talk about it. And I, maybe we yeah. don't realize that. And we, we have a raving fan base. Like, like I know people really like it. And I, and I love that. That gives me a lot of energy for what I do. But I think it just was like, like I pride myself on saving people time, not taking their time up. So I think that was where my, my hang up was. And like you already expressed psychologically, that was really stupid of me to feel that way. But anyway, I uh, scheduled, we, we just kind of mapped out all the people that said that they'd like it. We figured out, you know, if we could make the flights all make sense and if I could catch the next flight in time sort of thing, made a really aggressive schedule. And then I just began flying around and, and I learned a lot about sort of how you record an interview. I think that um, some people feel really weird looking at a camera where other people do want to look at the camera. There's some interesting things I learned about how you frame people up so that they're looking at you and there's a little bit of extra, uh, they're looking to the side of their head that there's a little extra canvas and it doesn't look weird that way. And anyway, learned a lot about that. Audio is important. I, I invested in a nice microphone because I, you know, the audio is the most important part of a video. So I got out there and I thought, I know what I'm doing. And then they started talking and people love things about responsibility that I assumed that the fact that we have a two to one ROI guarantee, I thought that everyone's like, oh yeah, you spend X amount of money and you get at least double that without any question um, back in a new customer. And I sort of thought, you know, everyone loves the follow-up, automated follow-up, they love that. But it was the nuance. I couldn't believe that of all nine people I visited to interview, all nine liked different things equally ravenously. It was so cool that to be is part cool. of it. It's almost like there's a book called The Ask Method by Ryan Levesque. And he's got this whole system and he's on all these huge podcasts and stuff. But contextually, like the concept is really simple. And what he, what he tells people to do is like talk to your customers and just ask them intelligent questions about your stuff and about what they want you to build for them or serve them with. And then do that thing, right? So like with software, Send Jim. And you helped me in the early years, but I was trying to build something like theoretically based on what I thought people would want. And when I was building it, I would ask businesses like, hey, I'm going to build this really cool thing. If I build it, will you give me money? And they're like, oh my God, I'll totally give you money. And then I'm like, okay. And I took a hundred grand and we built a thing. I'm like, hey, I, I built a thing. Give me money. And they're like, ah, can you give me a call back next week? Right? Like people vote with their yep. wallets. And the, my point is, is there's a lot of data just for you from a product development standpoint or for the home service company listening on like what services you could offer or what parts of your process your customers are noticing the most even though you didn't know it, not to mention the marketing value when you roll these videos out and you'll make more sales because of it too. Yeah. But connecting to people and sort of understanding understanding how, how your product is is great. But let's tie this back real quick to the service provider because I think that, that the lessons I learned really do scale to really any industry. And that was that not only were my customers excited to tell me what they felt, not only were, were a certain percentage of them willing to go on camera and allow me to use that for my own marketing purposes, but in the whole process, as I would ask a question, I had a whole bunch of questions I knew I wanted to ask, and then I wouldn't really ask all those questions because as the conversation got going, I'm like, whoa, really? We'd go down a rabbit hole, and then we'd go, wow, that's really cool. I had no idea. That's my unique selling proposition. And and just to go and sort of find the story, I think that the cool thing about social proof is that we're learning that in today's day and age, this new Amazon.com era, which is actually one of the principles that makes responsibility work so well when, when it's on a website, same thing is happening is that personal referrals are actually meaning less than public reviews. 
And that's a really hard thing to wrap your head around. I know I just talked to Lars at Nice Job. I think you actually just had a conversation with too, getting ready for the summit. And the thing is, is that Lars was kind of citing some data, some um, research that had been done saying people are more likely to trust a bucket of strangers who have things in common with them than necessarily, than just like the, the, the few people that are in their circle of friends who may sort of shade the way that they feel about things with their own personal interactions. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. Well, now I've got all these videos that I can share that will match up with people who are considering my software while I'm learning the whole time. It's amazing. And I can't remember if it was Troy Howard from Sotellus or if it was Lars, but one of them had said that, um, just a fun fact, that 4.7 stars averages outperform 5.0 stars averages like with reviews. And like, I don't know about you, but when I'm like serious about buying something, and I guess the more high ticket it is, the more time you invest, like making sure. But we go and we click the one star review first. Like we, <laughs> we look at the thing like, is this person a crazy wacko or do they are they making a valid point here? And oftentimes yeah. it's a crazy wacko who's like totally out of control. And then you read all the five stars. You're like, okay, cool. Like this makes sense. Um, but there, my point is there's so much psychology in our brain. And if you want... Briefly talk about like response a bit. The products changed a lot over the last few years. Yeah. It, it people are super. I'll just do the objection for you, and then you overcome it. They don't want to give a price on their website. They want to go bid it themselves. They want to have control. They're terrified that it'll underbid something on accident, and then they're on the hook for it. Um, walk us through why that's insane, and people need to consider this. Yeah, so that's something we hear about all the time. And actually, Marcus Sheridan is the one who I think said it best. He was speaking to another audience. I just happened to be in the audience. And he said, real quick, guys, who here is afraid of getting their price out in front of their potential clients? And like a lot of people raised their hand, like maybe even almost half of the people raised their hands. And of course, this was made services and carpet cleaners for the most part. So it's a service companies. And he said, I just want all of you to know that you all just lost. Like you just lost because when someone goes to your website, and you're scared to talk about it. They're just going to go to a website where someone will talk about it because that's what they want to hear. Ooh. And I was like, oh, he goes, oh, think about it for just a second. You're in a seafood restaurant. You're interested in checking out the lobster. It says next to the lobster, market price. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. You're, are you going to even ask? No, you're uh, just going to find something else on the menu to get. Yeah. I thought that was a really good point. Yeah, because you don't you don't want to ask and then have it be too much. And then you feel stupid saying, well, never mind. I didn't even want lobster. I could totally afford it. I just don't want yeah. it now. Yeah. You know what? You almost verbatim just said what Marcus said is that everyone just wants to make it through life without looking dumb. And everything that they can do to keep themselves from looking dumb is what they're going to do. And he gave he gave lots of different examples where, you know, if we can talk about price, we can talk about a lot of different things where people will intentionally hide like like people might intentionally hide that bad things could happen when they're doing the job. So like a painter might try to hide the fact that your windows could get oversprayed or that this is a common thing that could happen. And he said, the problem is, is that when anyone paints a picture of perfection, we already know they're a liar. We don't want to do business with them when they're hiding stuff from us because we feel like we have to pull everything out of them. How many things do we not think of to pull out of them? We're not going to do business with them. So, so my, first, my first sort of knee-jerk reaction to your question would be to say, if you're scared to tell your customer something, and you know, responsible in that case, it's probably about price. Um, if you're scared to do it, it probably means one of two things. Number one, 
you're embarrassed about the value proposition that you offer for the price, which probably is just the fact that you're not your target market and you can't get your head around that. Um, but the other thing that could be is, is that you've had negative sales experiences in your life and you're taking that shade of experience that you had and you're using dark coloring lines and making borders around your life of what you're capable of doing because you had like sort of a gray spot of something that happened. But in reality, if you look at the way you buy, if you look at the way that you would, would buy from other people, um, I think you would find that there's a lot of things that you're hiding from yourself that you expect other companies to not hide from you or presenting wise might be a little different, but does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it makes so much sense. I have never heard you explain it like that. That was like, if, if anybody listening didn't quite get it, like rewind it. That is so gold because it's almost like we, we want to sell our stuff to our customers in a way and by a totally different set of rules than we want to buy stuff ourselves, rather yeah. than just, giving people what they want. And it has a push-pull effect. So my opinion on pricing is it's good to put your pricing out specifically to push away the tire kickers, the the price-sensitive people that maybe aren't your target market. That's okay. That's good. While simultaneously pulling in the value buyers because uh, how many people run around and do estimates for time-wasting people? I remember one time, Kurt, <laughs> I did, I did an, a local community expo and I gave away free candy, like the good stuff, like the expensive, like Snickers and stuff. And all these people are rolling through, like coming to my booth. I'm like, come on in, get some candy, stop by. They're getting candy. And right next to the candy, I had this form. And it's like, request a free estimate. No obligation. Fill it out. And I'm like pushing people like, hey, I just gave you candy. Fill out the free estimate request. And they're like, okay. So they fill it out. They fill it out. I had 70 requests. I was so wow. excited because I'm like, my average ticket then was like nothing because it was still really small, but it was like tens of thousands of dollars worth of work. And I'm like, I go do all the estimates. I got nothing because they're the wrong people, right? Like that's a weird example, but it correlates a little bit. Well, it's because you brought them in to give them free candy and and then they're like, oh, this string that's attached, I'm not really that interested in it. But I don't want to look dumb, right? We talked about, I don't want to look dumb. So I'm going to give you my info, but I'm not going to. You know, I just wanted the candy. I just wanted the candy. So, so, so here's funny. the thing about responsibility, though. I think it's important that people understand the principle that makes it work so that they don't get too freaked out. The idea is, is that we believe in responsibility that if someone's going to get a price from you, it, there should be an exchange. Like I get to know your name, email, phone number, and street address. If you want a price from me, we're not going to put it directly out there for pe the tire kickers just to – because what happens is that sort of starts this whole chain of events with – with tire kickers, um, and, and there's other a lot of other negative effects that come from it. But people people want things of value, and if you put a little bit of a price tag, meaning just their personal information as that payment source to, to exchange for a quote, and then that quote does a good, better, best, which is upselling, downselling, you know, trying to, to funnel people into the right category of buyer that they are, you know, just those psychological steps that, that we naturally put in place and I think that any company, even without responsibility, could put in place. The idea is, is that you are going to keep making promises to the customer. They exchange. They, they get a higher return. And so it leads up to the part where they actually say, I'm going to give you $1,000 and, and I'm going to feel like you gave me $10,000 worth of cleaning. I mean, no, it's kind of a weird example. But that's the idea is – each exchange, they should give you a little bit and get a lot. I agree. And um, 
I just want to paint a visual picture so people understand what we're talking about because I'm ADD and I want to make sure. Imagine a housewife who just yelled at her husband for the 17th time to please power wash their house and he still didn't do it and they got in a fight and she's sitting in her, her night robe and she's Googling house washing. She doesn't even know what it's called, right? She's just trying to figure it out and she stumbles upon your thing and she's just kind of clicking through. She gets to your site and it says, get an instantaneous real price. That's pretty yeah. alluring to this woman. She wants to kind of know. She's curious. So she clicks it. And it's like, what kind of house do you have? And you, you answer that. Well, it's a, it's a two-story. And what do you got? Oh, and do you have a walkout basement? Oh, yes, I do, actually. And do you have this? Do you have that? Blah, blah, blah. And so each step is kind of pulling her more pot committed into finishing the process. And then it's like, your instant price is ready. You know, put in your address and your info so we can give it to you. She puts it in. And then she's displayed the good, better, best packages, like Kurt says, which I preach on this show with in-person estimates. You need to give people packages and options, not too many, but more than one. Right. Uh, and And then she sees that she can, for $347, she can get the basic, and then for a little more, she gets this. But God, for, for just $699, she gets the luxury package, which includes these five other things that she hadn't even thought about yet. But as she angrily thinks about her husband who didn't do the thing, and she fantasizes about, I can make this problem go away right now because there's a book now button under that luxury package. And she's passive-aggressively clicks the book now button, picks a time on your calendar, you get a notification, it's done. And even if she didn't buy right then, Responsibid is going to automatically follow up via text, email, even postcards, all kinds of stuff in the background saying, hey, how you doing? Hey, hey, I know you're, hey, you dirty siding, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? Can we be friends? Want to be friends? Hey, 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 hey. And it does automatically. And it's a time multiplier for you. That's why I loved it the most was just I didn't have to go do stuff and we made money. Um, It's really cool, man. You've done a good job. And do you have anything to say on what I said? Well, the only, there's only two things I'd say. Number one is that uh, that same system should be used when you're giving your in-person quotes. We've um, over, over the years, we've made it a lot more of a, a selling system for phone quotes, in-person quotes, and then, of course, off of the website. The other thing I would add to that is that if we took that same story and you took that same mentality and she landed on the website and there wasn't an instantaneous quote, that's what we call the bounce rate. They're going to go back and they're going to keep looking because they have a question. Can I get this problem solved? It's 11 o'clock at night. Can I get this problem solved? If you don't have it, they're not going to like, they're only going to call or leave a voicemail or email you if they've already bounced off a few websites and they're just not getting their answer. Um, but if they're not getting their answer and you're the first person, they're going to back off and go into another one. Um, so, so if they hadn't had that, that would be one thing. The other one is if there was just pricing there, one of the things, like if it was just one of those calculators where you start putting your information in and the price starts calculating right on the spot without actually taking the person's name and other information, we call them calculators on the website. If it's a calculator, the other problem is that she starts talking herself out of stuff because it's not packaging it together. She's watching the price change. And the moment she said she had a walkout basement, the price jumped up by 50 or 75 bucks or 100 bucks. And she's like, oh, shoot, never mind. It's I don't not have a technically basement. a walkout basement. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that's, when, that's when sort of that stuff starts happening. And then the last part is, is that if you didn't have good, better, best, more than likely they would – feel the ultimatum of like either I pay this price or I don't do business with company at all. And we found that people will have much more likely to say, which is right for me, as opposed to should I or shouldn't I? Um, Exactly. There's there's a a lot of elements. There's so much psychology. It's fascinating. And was it, I don't know if it was you that told me this or if it was a study I read, but 
they took this double blind group thing and they took this group of people and they showed them a DVD player. It was like a Panasonic DVD player. And they showed them all the features. It's got the plastic molded thing and it's a Blu-ray and it does this and that. And it's got auto paw. I don't know, whatever cool DVD things. And and they show them it. And then they surveyed the hundred people or the thousand people and said, this costs $72. Would you buy this? Yes or no? And like 40% of the people said yes. Then they did a second group of people and did the same thing with only one difference. They did packages. What they did was they showed them two very similar but different brand DVD players. They said, this, they both have Blu-ray, they do this, this one has this feature, this has this feature. Then they asked the people a similar but different question. They said, how many of you would buy one of these two? And it was like 73%. And so it almost doubled because they gave them two choices instead of the ultimatum, like what you talked about. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, and we've seen we've seen that time and time again with responsive numbers. I mean, I didn't mean for this thing to turn into a commercial response. No, it's I, it's still applicable <laughs> in general with pricing, with anything, and you know, yeah. technology is so cool. It's also moving really quick. I know a lot of people feel overwhelmed. In fact, um, I don't even know if I've mentioned it on this podcast, but um, most people know I'm going to the huge convention. I'll speak there on day one, but I'm getting there a day before because there's another event that's amazing. And I'm excited to see you again, Kurt, called Service Software Summit. And tell us about that because there's all this tech and they hear me yelling about SendGem and they hear you talking about this and then I interview people with stuff. It, it's almost overwhelming. Why did you put together Service Software Summit? It's the day before the huge convention. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our thought was that people shouldn't have – well, okay, let's take two steps back. There is no software conference for service providers. And I don't really know why, because like nowadays we have all the tools that these really like desirable companies, and I say desirable with air quotes because you know, your, your um, medical equipment companies, your consulting companies, your lawyer your law firms and stuff like that, they seem to get a lot of attention from the tech world. But as of 2018, the service world has basically been bestowed all the same great technical privileges that these other really uh, high-end industries, I'll call them, just because they have the spotlight on them. And so I think it's hilarious in some senses that we don't have a software conference for our industry. Um, then, then the other thing is, is that the huge convention, you've got all these people who are already going to be hopping on a plane, flying to Atlanta, networking, going to all these business development classes. Why wouldn't we just get the plane ticket for one day early stay one extra night in a hotel and go to a conference that I, I intentionally designed it so that it would be one track, one stage and 15 minute talks. Boom, 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 boom. And the idea was is that we're going to go from the beginning of the customer life cycle all the way to the end or repeat of a customer life, uh, beginning of the life cycle again. And the idea is that all these software companies, sure, they make software and we can, you're going to see a lot of different softwares there, but every speaker challenged, to compress one hour of content into 15 minutes, talking not so much about the software, but the methodologies that systematize that software. So if someone sits in the in the crowd, the Service Software Summit, they're gonna be learning, like we just talked about with responsive, some of the, the secret sauce that makes it work. And then if you decide not to use the software, that's fine, but you understand what automation looks like and what drives that automation, the thought process. So you could actually go to those classes at the huge convention now, thinking in your mind, Oh, okay. If I do X, Y, or Z, that little secret ingredient myself, 
then maybe you don't even need to use the software, but you can actually get that effect in your customer's experience. So just to give you an idea of who's gonna be there, I know Synjim's gonna be there talking a lot about, uh, actually you're gonna be talking about becoming a nightmare to compete with, as well as you had another one that you're gonna be doing. Creating raving uh, fan employees. Ah, employees. So that's (laughs) something that people talk a lot about. So those will be two really valuable ones. We're gonna also be having uh, Jobber there. They're gonna be talking a lot more about sort of the operational side of things, invoicing, collections, stuff like that. Nice job will be there talking about reputation and, and management. Stacy Harris, she's a, a um, social media strategist. She actually helps people to come up with, you know, not just putting a bunch of noise out in the social media, but actually getting results. Quality-driven software, they're going to be talking about how to figure out if your employees are really doing a good job and how to measure that. Jill's office will be there helping you understand things that you can be doing on the phone and communications with your customers that will be way more powerful. And then, of course, everybody loves doing their books. Bookkeeping, et cetera, will be there. And they'll be helping you get some financial strategies. And she's a profit first expert, so it'll be really focused on um, helping you understand how to make profit in your company and keep your books tight. So th- that's that's kind of a quick run through who's gonna be there. The idea is, is that as you sit from moment to moment to moment, you should never be able to get bored because it's concentrated stuff coming off the, the stage all day. And then the other thing is that you're gonna be able to see as this, progression goes, you're gonna find weak spots in your customer's life cycle. And when you go to the huge convention, not only will you have a piece of software that you might wanna look at that might help you, but you'll know what classes, when you're looking at these three tracks and you're trying to figure out which one you should be at, you're gonna wanna tend to go to the one that's your favorite, that you're probably already good at. But this will help you sort of witness, oh man, that's where I need the most help. I already have some good ideas, I want another perspective on it. That's it's a really cool perspective because really you're right. What software does is it does something that you could do on your own. Yes. But it does it automatically in the background for you consistently. It's an employee. It's almost like having an employee that's never late, never gets sick and never complains. Right. Except <laughs> when, there's a, when there's a bug and then it's like a nightmare, but I digress. So the point is, is uh, there's all these tools. It can get confusing. You've basically broken it down to, you know, how do you get people to actually know you exist, you know, pre-customer lifecycle? Yep. Once yep. they engage with you via phone, text, email, whatever, what happens? Then what happens after whatever happens there, right? Are you following up? How do you deliver pricing? How do you sell? What's the sales process? How do you get higher tickets, higher average, all that stuff, which software can help with that? Or you can still apply it on your own because we're going to teach the principles. Then yes. when they become a customer and you schedule them, how do you schedule them correctly and have good route density and efficiency? And how do you understand the metrics of how to make X amount per crew hour so you can be profitable? And then you got the bookkeeping side where it's like, oh, you thought you're profitable? Nope, actually you're a totally uh, insolvent company, but we can fix it, good news. Okay, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. you follow up and get 10X more referrals than you get now because there's a system there that you can use software for or you can do it manually. You mark it to the neighbors using a send gym or do it manually, but I'm going to teach people how to do it correctly manually so they get massive results and, you know, all the way through. So it's a really cool concept. I'm excited just to hang out with you because you're awesome. Um, so if anybody's going I'm to the huge convention, if you're, if you're going there, just get there a day early, grab yourself a cheap Airbnb and come hang out with me and Kurt. It's going to be super fun. And that is going to be, let me just get some dates here. The day before the huge convention. Yeah, August 22nd is the Service Software Summit. And then the 23rd and 24th is the huge convention. Okay, August 22nd, which I think is a Wednesday. When, yeah, it's a Wednesday. And it's in right. Atlanta. And you need to go to Service 
www.softwaresummit.com, correct? I pulled it up here, yep. And you can grab yourself a ticket and come hang out with me and Kurt. And do you got any closing thoughts in general, Kurt, before we, we end the podcast? I think I think that the, the closing thought I would have is that if somebody is already coming to the huge convention, one of the concerns I've heard from people is that they're afraid that their brain is going to be too full with the other two days. Why go an extra day? And what I would say to that person is, is that day one is going to be a nice linear look at your at your company. It's going to get your your mind right. You'll learn a lot of different things. It'll be really great. But you won't be on information overload from the perspective of maybe you'll have some ideas on what you can do. But the next two days of networking and classes that you're going to go to, you're going to be really organized now on some of the things because you'll, you'll have just spent that whole first day going from the very beginning of attracting customers all the way to your financial you know, housekeeping and everything in between. So... I just I would highly encourage someone to just book one more night at the hotel. Yep. Do it and come hang out with us. Fist bump, chest bump, noogie, high five. <laughs> That's right. Can't That's wait right. to see you, Kurt. You are the man, my friend. I'll be talking oh, to you soon. You. Take care, brother. I'll see ya. Hey, thanks for hanging out, friends. And from all of us here at the Quick Talk Podcast team, we hope you love today's show. We hope that you were inspired to become a doer and not just a listener. Apply what you've heard today in your own business and watch things change for the better. Lastly, remember that all the money in the world can't save your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God, my friends. We'll see you next time. For more information about the Quick Talk Podcast or Joshua's other businesses, visit our website, quicktalkpodcast.com. Have a blessed day.